0: Welcome to Capital Link's Company Presentation Series. Good day to everyone. I'm Nicholas Bornoz of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you to Capital Link's Company Presentation Series. We have with us today the senior management of Euroseas, Mr. Aristides Pitas, chairman and CEO, and Dr. Anastasios Aslidis, chief financial officer. Uh, A quick uh, mention of a disclaimer that this presentation is for informational purposes only. It is not meant to be investment advice or advice of any kind, and it is not meant to be solicitation to transact in any securities. Uh, In terms of uh, the uh, logistics, uh, we start with uh, a brief company presentation followed by a live Q&A session. Please submit your questions during the session anytime. Uh, using the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. And your questions will be answered by management uh, after the slide presentation. And in closing, this uh, session will be available for replay upon demand after uh, very shortly after the live session. So thank you very much to everybody. I turn the floor over to Mr. Peter, chairman and CEO. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas, uh, for, the, for this introduction. Um, I am uh, very happy to be here to present our company today. Uh, the, the job that you're doing with these uh, nice uh, brief uh, interviews is really useful, I think, to the industry as a whole. So today, uh, Tassos as leaders, our CFO, will be making the presentation and uh, then we will answer the questions that you will have uh, sent us uh, and hope to give you as much clarity as we can o- o- on what's going to happen in the future. So Tasso, with, without further ado, please get on with the presentation.
2: Thank you very much, Aristide. Thank you, Nicolas. And let me add my thanks also to Capital Link for organizing this series and inviting us to participate. Before we start, I would like for a brief moment to draw your attention to this slide, which states that we'll be making in this presentation forward-looking statements within the meaning of federal securities laws. Please bear that in mind as we go through the rest of of our discussion. I will start giving you a very brief overview of how we started. I believe most of you know that already, but for completeness of our presentation, um, I would like to introduce yours again. Yours is a provider of worldwide ocean-going transportation services. Um, we provide services for the containerized trade. We, the company was established by Aristides and his family 18 years ago. Aristides and his family have been involved in shipping for ages. Clearly, uh, that's uh, their family's history spans three centuries. We have records of them being involved in shipping since 1870. Eurusys has a fleet of 17 vessels on the water, 10 feeder ships and seven intermediate container ships with a cargo capacity of about 53,020-foot equivalent units or TEUs and also has a nine vessel new building program with deliveries scheduled to be this year and 2024. And after the delivery of these vessels, our total carrying capacity will increase to 75,000 TU about. We pride ourselves for our long involvement in shipping and experience in ship owning and ship management. As I mentioned, we accessed the capital markets in 2005 and listed on NASDAQ in in 2007. Aristides and myself, who might be called veterans of the industry. We have more than 30 years experience in the sector. Our C- Chief Administrative Officer, Simon pa- Simos Pariaros, has also more than 20 years experience in shipping. And we all have been with the company since inception. Also, the members of our board, all the members of our board, hold leading positions, not only they hold leading positions in their respective industries, but they have long investment experience in shipping. We manage our vessels through Eurobulk, an affiliated company, was established in 1995 by Aristides and is a player and a manager well-respected in the industry for its efficient and safe operating track record. We consider our group to be vertically integrated. We provide services along the entire range of ship management, and we have developed strong relationships with charters, suppliers, bankers, and other industry players. Having made that quick introduction of Eurosis, let's talk first about the sector, about the container sector. And let's start doing that by taking a snapshot at where we stand in terms of rates and prices. This slide, slide six, shows on the left side, the development of containerized, container charter rates over the last 20 years. And on the right side, the same thing for 10 year old vessel prices. What is striking from these charts is that over the in the last two years we re, we registered all-time highs for both rates and prices. Previously to that, the highest levels in the industry were observed almost 20 years ago during 2004 and 2005, and after that, after the financial crisis, there is a long period from 2011 to 2020 of about 10 years of pretty miserable, should I I say, level of rates. The pandemic, to some extent surprisingly, but easily explainable, um, provided the the point where a new level has been registered for rates and prices. A combination of changing demand patterns and preferences and and the supply situation from a tight supply created that significant spike uh, in, in the sector. Starting at the end of last year, in the fall of 2022, we've seen the markets correcting heavily, the same pace as they increased. And we're now at rates that are above pre-pandemic levels, but having come close to that level. Clearly, level, uh, rates are formed by the interaction of two forces in the market: supply and demand. And we'll take the next three or four slides Talk in a, little, in a little more detail about the trends that are emerging on those two components. Let's start with demand. This slide here, slide seven, shows the world economic growth on the top line and tries to correlate it with the containerized trade growth. If you plot those two lines, and you can see the chart at the bottom of the slide, at least visually, there is a pretty strong correlation between the world economic growth at the level of the containerized trade. In 2022, we've seen trade, world economic growth to drop to 3.2%, according to IMF, as compared to 2021, with uh, containerized trade growth reacting even more um, aggressively downwards. We expect to register, according to to Clarkson's, a a 5% decline in containerized trade. In 2023, Clarkson Clarkson expects little change in containerized trade, about negative 0.3%, essentially flat, while we expect to see containerized trade increase again in 2024. That's the half of the equation, the demand side. Let's look now at the supply side. This slide takes a snapshot of the current fleet, container fleet situation. At the bottom of the slide, we saw the order book of the fleet as a percentage of the fleet. You can notice here that just before the pandemic started, the order book as a percent of the fleet was at its lowest level ever, creating a tight supply situation. During the high rates of the pandemic, owners started ordering again, driving the order book to fleet ratio to a very respectable and quite high 28.3% of the fleet. Typically order books are delivered over the next two to three years and that means that you can see that on the top right part of the slide that the expected deliveries in 2023 and 2024 are between nine and 10% of the fleet. Imagine about 0% demand growth against the 10% potential increase of the fleet, how much more pressure on the rates it could exert. The fleet might not grow 10%. It might grow less because certain ships might find it uneconomical to continue operating uh, in such an environment. And there comes in play the age profile of the fleet that we saw on the top left part of the slide here. It's a rather young fleet, although still there is a good 10% of the fleet that is above 20 years of age. And these vessels are prime candidates for potential removal if at the end of their current charter they find uh, economic uh, conditions that are not worth continuing operating. In addition to the pure economics, there there is a... Uh, uh, environmentally related regulation that comes into play this year that could affect the the decision about continuing to operate or not. We'll talk a little bit about about this a little later. Another point that one should make on looking at this slide is, if you look at the 20 plus year old chunk of the fleet, segment of the fleet, the majority of that are vessels of the in the lower size groups, the feeders and the intermediates, the two vessels that our fleet primarily operates. Thus, it is worth digging a little bit into further detail in the smaller segments of the fleet. And this is what we'll do in the next couple of slides. First, the feeder sector of the fleet, the vessels between 1000 and 3000 TEU. This is the segment in which our new buildings belong. Uh, you can you can see here that although the entire fleet has an order book of about 28%, this segment has an order book of about 15%. In addition, the percentage of the fleet that is more than 20 years of age is 25%. The fleet is more evenly distributed age wise here. And that it is very likely that segment of the fleet To not to grow as much, potentially not to grow at all, if the majority of the 20-plus-year-old vessels find it economical to continue operating, thus providing a little better supply trend for for this subsegment. Something similar is true for the what we call intermediate vessels, the 3,000 to 6,000 TEU vessels. We have six vessels operating, almost seven vessels operating in this sector, almost seven because the one is, the other one is 6,500 6, EU. Here, the order book is even smaller, is only 6.7% of the fleet. And again, there is a good chunk of vessels that are more than 20 years of age. So that segment of the, of the fleet too, might face very limited supply growth and potentially no supply growth. It is undeniable though, that the overall picture is shaped by the, a relatively big order book for the larger vessels. And th- those vessels moving down into trades currently served by feeders and intermediates might be a trend that we need to keep an eye on. Supply is affected not only by the number of ships that are out, but also by what those ships are do and whether they are tied up in, in non-productive activities. This slide here shows a, An attempt to to measure the poor congestion. And the more ships are tied up in ports, obviously the the less ships are available for trade and that creates increases in in charter rates. We can see in this slide, um, the uh, percent of ships tied up in ports across various uh, shipping segments, containers is the light blue line, the top line for most of the chart we have seen that the congestion uh, index of container ships hit a a, a high of about 37% in the middle of last year, and has come down to close to 33 to 31, 33%, sorry, at the beginning of this year. This 4% decline of the fleet that is in port is 4% more fleet available to trade and carry and carry cargo. So that is another factor that uh, has contributed to rates declining so quickly in in the last four months of 2022. And how that will develop, obviously will affect the future availability of supply. Time to summarize our quick review of the segment. It is clear that 2022 has created two interesting points, an all time high, and also a significant drop. Uh, political and economic security affected container shipping in the latter part of the year, and freight rates dropped significantly. The reversal also of poor congestion created uh, effective more supply, and that contributed to, as we just mentioned. In 2023, market conditions are, are generally expected to, sof- to soften even further. As we discussed, demand is expected to be flat. And we expect significant supply to hit the market. And rates thus are expected to continue to move towards their historical average levels and possibly even break them uh, downwards. In 2024, there is a number of developments that are uh, emerging, which are very which are quite difficult to assess yet. For one thing, geopolitical developments like the hopefully by then ending the war of Russia and Ukraine uh, and and its aftermath and other global tensions will play a role as well. The overall economic conditions will affect demand for containerized containerized trade. Uh, And in addition, as I say, uh, a potential help for rates could be if new environmental regulations result in more slow steaming, effectively removing capacity from the market and moderating the impact of deliveries. One thing that seems to be emerging is that the difference of the eco vessels and all our new buildings are eco and fuel efficient vessels with an older ship that spread between charter rates is expected to increase. Final point here before we switch to review our own uh, the Euro's position in the market is that the smaller size vessels where we operate between 1,000 and 6,000 EU, are expected to perform relatively better because they have a healthier supply situation with much smaller order book and much older current fleet. I mean, without doubt, of course, cascading of larger vessels to trades currently served by the feeders and intermediate ships could mitigate any difference of supply demand between that sector and the larger vessels. Having talked and characterized the market segment we operate, I think it's time to spend a little bit of time to review how Eurosis is positioned in, in that environment. A very quick look first at our fleet. This slide shows you our current fleet on the water, 17 vessels, 53,000 TEUs, 17 and a half average age. And we have our new building, vessels uh, that are will start being delivered in march this year and continue um, their deliveries throughout 24 these are feeder vessels nine of them total tu 22000 uh, of capacity six of them are 2800 tu vessels and three of them are 1800 tu vessels our fleet is chartered, and this, this uh, slide shows the chartering profile of our fleet. We used the opportunities offered to us during the last two years, to charter the majority of our fleet in long-term ch- time charter rates. For 2023, for this year, more than 80% of our available days have secured our currently charter at an average rate of more than $30,000 per day contributing an EBITDA of 136 million. Even for 2024, more than 50% of our available days are chartered, again at a rate in excess of $32,000 per day. Amongst the vessel charter are the first two of our new buildings, which charters that extend even beyond 2025. Very quickly, we can review some of our financial highlights. For the first nine months of last year that we have published results, I mean, those nine months were very profitable. We had revenues, almost, net revenues of almost $140 million, contributing earnings of more than 10, almost $11 per share on an adjusted basis to our, for our shareholders. EBITDA for the nine months was about was more than 90 million. And during the period, the average rate that our fleet earned was more than 32, almost $33,000 per day. We have instituted in 2022, a quarterly dividend, and we have declared and paid 50 cents per share for each of the first three quarters of last year. 2023 starts from a rate level as we saw that is still above pre-pandemic levels, but clearly there are challenges ahead. Our own contract coverage, which as I mentioned is more than 70, more than 80% in 2023 and more than 50% in 2024, will largely shield our earnings from the current environment of low rates and for sure will allow us to fund our dividend and the equity portion of our new building program. Of course, part of our new building program will be financed with that. Looking forward, we expect to have a cash flow break even level for the next 12 months of about $14,000 per day. And as I mentioned for 2023, the contracted revenues are in excess of $30,000 per day. So we're well within cash uh, generation range for 2023 and uh, very likely for 2024. And if we look at our balance sheet, we can, the the point we can make here that that we have very low debt compared to the value of our ships. We have about 108 million debt at the end of last year. This is debt for the existing ships, doesn't include our new buildings. We estimate the market value, charter adjusted value of our vessels, of our 17 vessels, at 330 million, so our debt uh, to value ratio is about 33%. Even the scrap value of our existing fleet of 17 vessels is 130 million and that is higher than, than our debt level. So we are very low leveraged. Uh, the light blue bar on the, the light blue section on the bar that you see here is the contract value of our new buildings or the market value of our contracts, as you say. The contracted EBITDA in 2023 amounts to about 120 million and that would likely increase if we charter the remaining open open days for the year. Let me conclude our remarks here about the market and about Eurosis by providing some reasons why Eurosis is an interesting investment opportunity for you to look at. For one, we have insulated ourselves to a great degree from the current market by having secured long-term charters for the majority of our fleet. Each of the next two years are expected based on the contracts we have secured to be comparably profitable to 2022 and where conservative finances I mentioned, the fact that further minimizes any risks and increases our future funding flexibility. Our strategy is to grow the company and modernize it. And we're doing that organically, having embarked on a significant new building program with nine vessels, modern eco-friendly vessels. Uh, Our new building program has a price tag of around $360 million. We're also continuously target selective acquisitions, especially ones that have fully covered downside And we might be able to find more such opportunities if the market weakens. More important than that, or on the top of all that, we are rewarding our shareholders. Not only we have sealed the market and we are growing, uh, we we have instituted a dividend that provides approximately a 10% annualized yield. And in addition, we have established in executing on a share purchase program when we believe our share price is a good investment for us. More, more than any of the above, we are an interesting opportunity to look at because our stock trades at a significant discount to our current NAV, more than 50% discount. It also trades at a significant discount <clears throat> to the value of, the, of our contracted earnings during the next uh, three years and the scrap value for our existing fleet, even if we ignore the net value of the, our new building program and air potential learnings from the open days of the fleet. I think for all these reasons, Eurosys is an interesting investment opportunity uh, for our in, new investors and our shareholders to look and stay with. And with that, let me open the floor for questions and uh, let Aristides lead that part of our presentation.
1: Thank you, Tasso, uh, for for the presentation.
2: Uh,
1: Let's jump directly into the various questions that that we have. Uh, The first question is How confident uh, are we about being paid uh, from the contracted charters, which should be above market right now? Uh, We we are uh, quite confident that. uh, the very big majority of our charterers will pay. Uh, we are uh, fixed. We have fixed uh, the majority of the ships with uh, top-class charterers, uh, which have made a lot of money during the last couple of years. So are very so are very strong. So I would think that. Uh, all or nearly all of our charterers will perform during the next couple of years, because as Tasos correctly said, we have covered a lot of our ships for 2023, 2024, and even 2025 at rates that are higher than the market today. Um, The second question is, congratulations, so far how safe is the dividend? Well, exactly, because uh, we have concluded all these charters, uh, I think that for the remainder of 2023 and for 2024, uh, the, the dividend uh, is is very safe. Uh, it yields about 10% on the current stock price, and I expect it to, to remain around those levels, except if we see fantastic opportunity and we need to jump in and uh, not pay a dividend or whatever, but this is not the intention. Uh, Right now, only a fraction of our earnings is used to to repay the dividends. So I think that the intention is to keep the dividend stable. Um, The next question is, uh, how much leverage is there on the new build vessels and how does the price you paid for those vessels compare to current new building prices? Well, although secondhand prices have dropped tremendously, new building prices have not. Uh, and in fact, it, the cost of, of ordering a new build vessel today is very similar to the cost that we paid when, when we put the orders. And in fact, One cannot place orders for vessels delivered in 2023 and 2024 right now. So if somebody was to order, he would go for 2025-2026 delivery. So we are confident that the price that we've secured is is, uh, the current market price, and uh, nobody can really uh, order more ships uh, uh, at those prices today. So, I, I'm not worried about the value within the ships that we've ordered. Uh, we have financed the first uh, vessel, which we take the, we'll take delivery of in March this year, so in a couple of months' time, that is fully financed with 65% financing. Uh, we expect to easily finance with similar levels of uh, financing uh, the other vessels that are the other two vessels that are due for delivery in 2023, and we will probably be able to do the same in 2024. I, I feel very confident uh, about that. 65% financing and with the spreads uh, around two, two and a half percent maximum over software. Um, next question is. Again, the same one, do you worry about financing the new buildings, about chartering them? I, I, I just talked about the financing of new buildings, it, it should not be any problem at all. Uh, chartering them, chartering them, again, I'm not worried about. Of course, I don't think I will be able to fix the new builds uh, at the $48,000 per day that we have fixed for three years, the first two vessels. Uh, the market is not there right now. It has corrected tremendously. It's down to $25,000 per day for such a vessel per year. Still $25,000 per day, if we were to fix that, is a is a great level. It uh, leaves a very, very significant profit. I remind you that the first two vessels we will repay them in totality in three years. So this seems to be a fantastic deal if everything goes as planned. Uh, next question. Um, container freight prices are on the way down this year. Besides, container vested charter prices are also on the way down. In this case, newly container investor charters that have just entered into the sector can be negatively affected. Thanks in advance. I think I, I answered this question already. Indeed, uh, current charter rates uh, are much, much lower than where they were. But uh, even today's levels are profitable levels, not as profitable as, as we saw during the last two years, where you know our stock price increased 10 times. I don't expect us to see such a return, but I do expect us to see... Uh, a very stable market for, for uh, our company uh, during the next couple of years, stock-wise, at least, uh, and earning-wise. Uh, final question, I see now there's a couple more, who oh, they, they keep on coming. Uh, how are the new builds being financed? Are there plans to sell vessels currently on the, uh, on the water to free up cash? There is absolutely no need to sell any vessel to finance the new builds. Uh, The cash flow generation from the existing ships is uh, more than enough to finance uh, the new new buildings. In fact, there should be enough equity left there for us to continue both our dividend policy, our buyback uh, uh, program, Uh, and perhaps even buy an additional one or two vessels uh, if we see very attractive prices developing within the next months. Who is your choice of technical manager and what are your views on OPEX inflation? Well, uh, Technical management is done uh, by my family company. Uh, which has expertise in running these ships and has been running them for so many years, uh, keeping OPEX uh, well within the, the threshold of where the other shipping companies are, but at the same time being able to keep the vessels in tip-top condition, despite our old fleet being you know, quite older. Of course, we are renewing the fleet these days and the nine new vessels will be the most modern in, in, in the con- small container sector around and the most economical ones. And we do expect to see the future based on more modern vessels. What is your plan for retiring your older ships? Again, most of the older ships have been fixed uh, for long-term charters. The assumption is that uh, at the end of the of uh, the charters, when the ships will be over 20 years old, the ships that are over 20 years old will be scrapped. This is what we put in our models. Uh, It can only be better than that, not worse than that, uh, depending on how the markets develop in one or two or three years when these charters expire. If they are good, we're going to pass them through a further special survey. But our main assumption in our model is that these vessels will be scrapped. Overall, you are a very different position from all other shipping companies operating out of Greece, even your webcast, webcast presentation. Are you also pure play in your webcasts over the past few years? Thanks. Well, thanks for, for the comments. I, I, I take that as a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. With new next question with new environmental regulations what do you see as approximately the maximum age of ships before they must be scrapped I, I I think the maximum age is continues to be somewhere between 20 and 25 years uh, b- based on the new uh, on, on the new regulations ships can trade up to that age it will be more, it continues to be more of a commercial consideration. If the markets are good, the ships can last a little bit longer. If the markets are bad, you're bound to scrap them earlier. Um, and I think this was the last question. Tasso, I don't see any other yeah, questions. I don't,
2: see, I don't see any other question either.
1: Thank you all very, very much for for being with us today and listening into our presentation. And uh, as usual, we are happy to take any questions you might have individually or separately and try to answer them as honestly as we can. Thank you very much, guys, uh, and good luck. Thank you.
0: Thank you from me as well. Thank you, Nico. Thank you, Aristides and Tassos. Uh, another great presentation. I'm no, glad very, to have a very robust QA, indicative of the interest. Uh, so, in closing, uh, besides thanking everybody, I'd like to mention that this session will be available as an archive for replay and access upon demand. So, thank you to everybody. Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Bye.